Before we jump into this episode, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we share this conversation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandan. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we chat with the powerhouse that is Shivani Sharma about all things expectations. We discuss the expectations held by South Asian communities when it comes to relationships, parenting, careers, mental health, school, preserving culture and more. We had such a great conversation with Shivani that we actually ended up recording for more than two hours. So we've split this episode into a two-parter. As always, head over to stuckinbetween.com to check out our drinking and conversation card games. Shivani, thank you so much for joining us today. I've obviously known of you for some time now in terms of your makeup artistry and that business, but what I didn't know was about your incredibly inspirational story, which we didn't know until we came and watched your speech at an International Women's Day event recently, and we were both awestruck at just how much you've gone through and yet how resilient you are. And for you to so bravely share that story in front of so many people, we were just so inspired by you. So it's so great to have you sitting here and talking to us today. No, thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm I'm always so humbled when someone gives you that space to have that conversation. So it's an absolute honour to be with you guys. Oh, thanks so much for joining us, Shiv. Like Ravi said, we saw you speak at an International Women's Day event where you shared your powerful story. And I think a lot of your journey seemed to come down to you defying the expectations that society or the world placed on you, right? And even overcoming some of the expectations that you placed on yourself as well. And that's why we thought you'd be the perfect person to have this discussion about the expectations that we find within our community. Mm -hmm. Before we jump in, we want to appreciate that the expectations that we'll unpack in this episode aren't exclusive to just South Asian communities. We find them in a lot of different cultures, let alone society as a whole. Um, But obviously we'll be speaking to the South Asian experience because that's what we can relate to. And we'll obviously be speaking to our personal experiences when it comes to everything that we get to. Mm -hmm. We're also not going to get too deep into gendered expectations because that's something we want to cover in it's a whole other topic. Yeah, we want to dedicate <laughs> an entire episode, at the very least, to that because there's just so much to unpack in that realm. So we'll keep this one kind of general. And the last thing before we dive in, something we try our very best in all our podcasts to do is to not pass judgment without putting ourselves in other people's shoes to try and understand where those values and perspectives come from Mm. to, you know, hopefully empathize with why we are the way we are before we try to address how we feel we should be moving forward. So that's something we'll do our best to do throughout the episode as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I just feel like we might need to revisit a lot of what we get into in this podcast because 
we could probably dedicate a full episode to each topic, right? Yeah. You know, even this one, we might need to make it into a two or three part episode. Let's yeah. See what happens. Yeah, exactly. So to start us off with the topic of expectations, Shivani, is there any specific expectation that you'd like to start with that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind and what I resonate with is the expectation of being married and mm-hmm. having kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and I, I feel like it's a good starting point because that's where I am. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. Well, let's unpack yeah. that. Yeah. But like the disclaimer I want to put out there, first of all. I love my husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about him whatsoever. But what I'm about to say is based on my experience. Mm-hmm. And it may be so very different for anyone else out there. But what we unpack today is purely because of my journey. But it doesn't mean anyone else's journey is going to be like that. So that's the disclaimer. But um, the expectation of being married. Did, did you, you feel, feel it? it? Oh, my oh. God. I mean, that's always the same question. <laughs> Bro, I'm spending way too much time with this guy. <laughs> that was actually kind of cool, though. That was cool. That was the first time that's happened. But I'll <laughs> Can I go? Yeah, you go. So you're already in the position where you're already married and you have two beautiful daughters. Did you feel the pressure prior to getting married? And do you think that led you to taking this step sooner than you would have? I definitely felt the pressure. Um, Because you guys have been together for a while. We have. We've been together for almost like 20 years. So we dated Mm -hmm. for quite some time before making that commitment of getting married. But... A bit of the background when it comes to my family is that my grandfather is a priest and he was the first priest in Australia from Fiji. So that's where my family came from. Mm -hmm. And so I was born with these expectations, right? right? I am the eldest grandchild of the family. I am the first woman in the family. And so every step that I take it's Mm. taken in a spotlight almost so I had marriage proposals at the age of 16 and I was blessed enough for my parents to understand that they want to put me through education Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than get me married at such a young age and so that then built that expectation in my mind I knew straight away like I am a girl Mm -hmm. I'm going to get married and I'm probably going to get married around like mid-20s because mm-hmm. back then that was the normal age of getting married and yeah. if you did it any later, then you're considered a bit too old. Yeah. Mm. You know, and people start questioning what's wrong with her. Why isn't she getting married? Yeah. Mm. So, yes, I did feel the pressure, but was that forcefully applied? No. Right. Yeah. My parents always put my education first mm-hmm. because they didn't get that opportunity okay right. so they wanted to give you the opportunities they did not have exactly it's so wonderful of them to think that way though because i think what Sandler was saying before about thinking in other people's shoes it's very easy for a lot of parents to succumb to that pressure because yeah. you're receiving marriage proposals and therefore that pressure is being put on you inadvertently that okay now it's time and this is what's expected of me next but at the same time I'm assuming a lot of people would have been saying to your parents hey why isn't Shivani married yet like this is what you guys should be thinking about so I find a lot of parents even if they don't believe it they get so stressed about what other people will think that they then start pressuring their kids yeah and I think when it comes to a lot of the expectations that I'm sure we'll get to a lot of it stems from what you needed to do to feel safe and successful and Mm. live a fulfilled life was 
for different people in a different place in a different time versus the realities that we face with a contemporary and I guess Western influence. Mm. I think it's that difference that often causes us to not always see things in eye the to same eye, way. Right? So yeah. I think we need to do a better job of having those conversations to understand that, you know, things were different for you than they are for me and respecting that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think it also comes down to like what you want out of life as opposed to doing it because of external expectations and pressure, right? Like 100%. I'm not on the same boat as you, but I'm currently engaged and I'm getting married next year. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I hope to have kids one day and all of that stuff. But it's because I wanted to do these things, right. not because of the fact that I should be doing them. Like it was mm. just always what I wanted for my life yeah. and it wasn't other people being like, yeah, this is what you should do next that led me there. So I think that freedom to choose, whilst it looks like I'm going down this conventional path, like this is what I want out of life. And I think that factor is so important as opposed to just doing it because yeah. this is what's definitely how, expected How do you both, I mean, I guess it's a bit different for the two of you given that you've both been in long-term relationships, mm. but – Speaking to other women in your lives who might be single around the same age as you, how do you help them navigate any pressures they might have from people who do pressure them about marriage or, you know, speak about them in a type of way because they aren't at a certain place that other people expect them to be at? Mm, I'm in my late 20s. So a lot of friends around me who are currently single are definitely getting a lot of pressure to find someone but then when they do accelerate it and get married quicker there's definitely a lot of the you have to like try find someone ASAP and I think it can lead to some people just settling as well Mm. and being in something that maybe they're not fulfilled in but they feel like this has to be the person because I'm at the age where this guy has to be it because otherwise I'm screwed yeah I don't know what your experiences are so mine is I see it from a different perspective and this is what I tell the women that are single. You don't ever want to be in a marriage where you are not happy Mm. and it's a massive commitment. Like it's something that you have to work at Mm. every day and so some people are not ready for that commitment and that's Mm. perfectly okay Mm. but you need to understand that you're not ready for that commitment, right? And not rush into it because of these Exactly, yeah. So – when people understand their priorities for themselves, it's a lot easier to navigate through those expectations mm, because yep. then they can have that conversation with their parents saying, you know what, mom, I know I'm getting older. Yes, I do need to get married, but I don't want to get married and then it not work out. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. There are so many factors that aren't considered. Mm. Yeah. I guess the other value you sometimes see in the West is working on being the best version of yourself before committing to being in a relationship with someone else. Yeah. Whereas with Eastern cultures, sometimes the approach is, you know, start that relationship and figure it out together. Yeah. Right. And, you know, back in that time where divorce was stigmatized more and the value of what marriage was, is different to what people treat marriage as in today's world. Mm, So that might also be one of the reasons why people are settling down and starting families later than before because there is that deeper priority on self rather than 
the whole. The whole. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. I completely respect that because if I look back at my parents' generation, which is where that has stemmed from and the generation before mm-hmm. that, there was no such thing as divorce, mm. right? So it is what you said. You get married and then you figure out the rest no together. Matter no matter what. Mm. And that is the value that I take away from it within my own marriage. Regardless mm-hmm. of what we are going through, we're going to push through together. You know? And that is like a past value that I want to bring into the present. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. a lot of people forget about that. Mm. Sometimes the first thing they think of is breaking up, mm-hmm. getting that divorce having separation, calling it quits, just walking away because they don't know how to deal with those pressures of relationships. So Mm. if you're not ready to go into it in the first place, what are you going to do when you are in it? Mm. Holding that same value from, you know, not believing in divorce and stuff like that and moving forward with that is something that I personally carry. Mm. Yeah. I guess the flip side to that is when – you are in a relationship and you've given everything you can and do decide that you need to walk away. You know, sometimes relationships can be toxic or abusive, for example. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When you do take that decision, I feel like we have a lot more autonomy and understanding when our peers decide to do that. Mm. But for older generations, it's a very different attitude. It is. Like, just speaking to the couple of examples in the world around me, Anyone my age who heard some of these stories would completely support the decisions that they made. Mm. Yeah. But some people in older generations were, you know, trying to convince them, like, hey, why didn't you stick it out? Mm. Why are you running you away? And they're like, look, I've literally done everything I can yeah. to try to make it work, but it just didn't yeah. because of reasons that are so far out of my control. And yeah. that's going to happen. Like, you know, there is a fine line, there's boundaries, right? But the reason why the old school principle works in my marriage is because we don't have that toxic environment. Mm. And that's why I can hold on to that value. I've walked away from that toxic environment. And so that's why I can hold on to that value. Yeah, Mm. I love that. I guess another part of that is this expectation that anyone older than you is automatically wiser. Mm. What are your experiences with that sort of attitude with people in your networks? Yeah, that's also something that came to mind when you were talking about divorce because there's this concept in our culture where you have to respect your elders, which I wholeheartedly agree, but I think it also comes with this, like they're all knowing and everything they say is the way because they know more than you. And yes, they've got more life experiences than you, but it was in a different context and in a different time. So sometimes you want to push back a little bit. And I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that just because someone is older, it doesn't mean they're right or that they know everything. And whilst Mm. I'm open to opinion and feedback and different people's perspective, it's also important to critically evaluate and not just take face value like everything this individual is saying is the way because you realize as you get older that they're also human yeah. and no one really knows what they're doing with anything yeah uh, which is such a big realization which I think I've come to in the last like five years because you know when you're a kid everything your parents or your grandparents or you know people older than you do you just kind of take for gospel it's funny right growing up a lot of the time we see older people as all being responsible adults who all have their acts together, right? But then you reach a point where you start seeing them as people 
flaws and all. Yeah. And that's when you realize like, yes, you're older than me and you've experienced more in life, but that doesn't always translate to you necessarily having emotional intelligence Mm. or having grounded morals and values. Right. Yeah. Like something that I've realized over the last few years with some of my younger cousins is that the advice that I give them isn't necessarily the advice that makes the most sense to them personally. Mm. And that's okay. Right. Because the way they look at things is different to how I'd approach it being a few years older. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that one of us is right and the other one is wrong. It's just a different way of approaching things. That's just, it's just a different perspective. perspective. It's, exactly. it's always a different perspective and that's what we sometimes fail to see. Mm. We're seeing things as the generational gap when we're talking about our elders, right? But how they see it is completely different. For sure. How they were treated was completely different. And so the respect thing, I completely agree with. I hold a lot of respect towards my elders, but I am an independent person where I'm able mm. to question mm. yeah, a lot of it. things. Exactly. And it's not because I want to question whether someone is right. Mm. I'm questioning because I want to learn. Yeah. Where you know, is there's that coming always, from? Yeah, yeah, where is it coming from? Mm. Where is it stemmed from? And why is it that they believe that way? Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? When, yeah. The more you know, the more you're working with, yeah. right? And then the more views you can have about your own life but if you don't have enough knowledge around it you've got nothing to work with right so you question yeah have those open conversations which is easy to say but it's difficult to do especially when your parents come back with like you don't need to know that yeah Yeah. so i'm a questioner like when i was younger (laughs) i used to question everything like why why do you need me to do this thing and it wasn't as you said to challenge someone it's Mm. more so to be like i want to understand i'm not going to blindly follow something yeah tell me why yeah and then it would be oh don't ask questions (laughs) and i think half of that response comes because the person telling me to do that thing doesn't even know why themselves why they started i really don't think they knew the answer so they're kind of just like oh shut up don't ask me yeah yeah because they don't know how to answer the question because yeah. of course because if you look at it they were never taught to question mm. yeah. it mm. was you do what i say yeah whereas our generation is taught to question yeah, yeah. Right? you question everything that's how yeah. you learn that's exactly and i'm specifically thinking about my parents when it comes to this they were never taught to question mm. if you question it was like you were being disrespectful mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah. so there is that generational gap but we're moving forward with that Everyone is questioning everything and that's how we're learning and evolving. And so I feel like we've come a really long way when it comes to that aspect. Mm. And a lot of the freedom and the autonomy we have to question and challenge some of these expectations comes from a privilege that we have. Mm. That's why going back to what I said earlier, on our podcast, we do our best to put ourselves in other people's shoes Mm. to see where they're coming from before passing judgments or coming to conclusions. Mm, Yeah. Do you remember, is there a particular expectation that was placed upon you that as a result of you challenging it, other people around you started to have a different view as well because they themselves were challenging things that they hadn't before? The first thing that came to my mind was religion. Mm -hmm. So coming from the family that I am from, they are very strict with religion. 
whereas I have more of the spiritual values that mm-hmm. I follow. And so there was the period in time where I was questioning the religion a lot. I am from a Hindu background mm-hmm. and our religion can sometimes be very complex. And so the moment you start questioning it, to understand it, it was like you're questioning it to disrespect it. That's mm-hmm. how it was perceived. Mm-hmm. And so when I didn't understand something, I didn't want to follow it. Mm, yeah. It was always like, but why am I doing this when it came to certain ceremonies? And yeah. I just couldn't get the explanation of why I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why am I fasting? Yeah. And it was like those basic things mm. when I couldn't get the answer. I was almost in like disagreement. Like, why do I have to do it then? Mm. You know, so that's where it came to the disagreements. Mm. But then the moment I got married, I then was not living under that household. And I said to myself, I now have the ability to make those choices. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I kind of went down the spiritual route. But coming back to your question, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because when you're growing up being taught things in a certain way, like why are you fasting? without being given that explanation that you're seeking, you'd obviously be pushed away from it, right? But we lose so much of the wisdom because of that. Right. So I also didn't know the deeper reasons why people would fast. But as an adult, I have that understanding that, you know, it detoxes your body Mm. and it teaches you discipline. Mm. And by removing those physical desires, you're meant to have more clarity in your thoughts, right? And, you know, that's so much more of a powerful explanation and Mm. you would have really resonated with that so much more as a teenager than you're doing it because you need to do it. Exactly. But I feel like that's where the lack of education or the lack of communication skills come into play. Mm. Because if I once again look at my parents specifically, that was always a barrier. Yeah. And so the answer was always, I don't know. Yeah. Because it was the easiest response you could give, right? Exactly. And so for me as a parent now, I have to always ensure that my answers are not, I don't know. Mm. Mm. They are genuine answers. But if I don't know the answer, I go find find it. Yeah. You know, because I don't want my daughters growing up with that false expectation of, this is what it is really like. Yeah. Mm. With being a mom, how do you approach that expectation or do you even have that expectation of passing on the culture to your children? Because, you know, we have this card in our conversations game mm. that goes, does not knowing your culture make you any less South Asian than someone else who does? Yeah. You know, because I think people who don't embrace the culture as much as others might, are looked at a certain way by some people in our communities, right? Like there's just so much diversity of thought and of people in South Asia, Mm. Mm -hmm. but we don't always give each other space in diaspora communities Mm. to embrace that same diversity. Yeah. So I do have those expectations with my children. I do want them to know their culture. I want them to know their roots Whether they choose to embrace it, that is on them. Mm. But I want them to have that knowledge because then they've got that choice to do whatever they like with it. Whether they embrace it, whether they hide it, whether they really put it on display, what their background is, that's up to them and Mm. that's within their choice. Mm. But if I as a parent don't educate them, 
then I'm already removing that knowledge. The option, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I'm removing yeah. it how, from them. Exactly. How did both of you navigate any expectations that were placed on you to do certain things to be culturally accepted in your communities? For people around us, I don't know, like we're very open to diversity because that is what Fiji is. Mm-hmm. Everyone has migrated from different parts, well, not even migrated, they were forced there, but from different parts of India. Yep. And so you will see the South Indians in Fiji and the North Indians in Fiji, and we are all mixed mm-hmm. and we embrace that. And so the community that I'm from, we never look at ourselves as a minority or anything like that. We are all the same. The one thing I love about the Fijian Indian people is that we treat each other equally, regardless of where we are from. Mm. But some origins may see us differently, that Mm. we're not true Indians or anything like that. Mm. We get that. We get that hate. We get those comments, but Fiji Indians never see it that way, Mm. you know, because we all survive together. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. And you still have that sense of connection. Yeah, 100%. I think because of that is why we are so connected. We have Mm. such a small community. Yes, it is getting larger. But if something happens to another Fiji Indian person, we are the first ones to back them up Mm -hmm. because they've learned to survive together regardless Mm. of where they're from, you know, and I feel like, Sometimes that is what is lacking in other groups, yep. communities, organizations, countries yeah, even. Because like, I feel like that brings me to another expectation, which is the fact that people tend to always be competing with each other yeah. or trying to one-up each other sometimes yeah. in our communities within yeah. South Asia. Like I'm sure a lot of people can agree to that. When it comes to different things like people boasting about their kid over another kid or trying to throw the most extravagant weddings or like whatever it is. Whereas I think what you're saying in terms of the importance of backing one another, right? Like don't get me wrong. That still happens. Yeah. Yeah, But that, that I feel like is down to that particular person. Yeah. And yeah, possibly the way they value their life or the things that they see bring value. And it's usually around money. Yeah, mm. right. Like how yeah. much was your outfit? Like those kind of materialistic Material. yeah. views, yeah. Yeah. I feel like is what causes those things. So it definitely does yeah. happen in my community. Yeah. But that's where you learn to dissect and move away from yeah. those, those kind of types of conversations. There's a couple yeah. of things there that I want to get into. So Romy, to your point of the whole thing of what will other people think and living for others? Mm. Two big parts of life that people can relate to when it comes to that way of thinking is school and careers. Mm. I'm going to let you pick. Which one do you want to get into first? Okay, for me, personally, in my journey, all of those are intertwined. intertwined? Mm-hmm. They are so intertwined that it's like messy. <laughs> and it's, it's all because of the family that I'm from. Yeah. And so me to do really well in school was a massive expectation mm. yeah you know, because i'm the first grandchild we yeah. came from fiji to the better you, your yeah. life right yeah you know, so there's that responsibility yeah, i there's think that that's a big one right education is such a valued value in the yeah. south asian communities which yeah. is fine like i myself see the value of an education of course but i think it does come down to the fact that 
there's a lot of pressure because in countries like Fiji or Sri Lanka or India or whatever, you needed to take certain paths and education was your only way to have a good life. Whereas yeah, of course. moving to a country like Australia, you have so many other opportunities yeah. that you can take which can still give you a really great life. Yes. And yeah. that I think is still a missing link and people don't quite let their children really go down a path that suits them. Like yeah. I know people who just can't sit still and just couldn't open a textbook to save their life and are tradies and are earning really well, living really great lives and that's what suits them and yes. their personality. Whereas I think there's firstly like some prestige stuff that comes with certain career paths mm-hmm. as well. Yes. But at the same time, like there's still that lack of realisation that you don't actually have to just follow like one way where you just have to get really good grades in high school in order to forge a path for yourself. Like Even if you do want to go to university, you can do that without getting the best grades at school. Like there's so many other of options course. out there, right? Yeah. Whereas like a lot of kids like drive themselves into the ground to their own detriment and with their own mental health and everything in year 11 and 12 mm-hmm. because they're trying to fulfill this expectation that they need to do really well at school. This was myself included. Yeah, um, I'm, we, I'm yeah, another a lot one. Of people can relate. Yeah. You know, and like you guys did hear the speech at yep. International Women's Day and that is where the depression stemmed from. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, it was that moment in high school where I had to perform. I had to do really well in the HSC to have a successful career. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that is why my journey is all so intertwined because yeah. it's about the community that I'm from. Mm. I was doing that community proud and the pressure that was placed upon me, it wasn't necessarily by my family. Mm. It was what I felt I had yes. to do yes. yeah. to make them proud. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, my grandparents moved here, my parents moved here. They yeah. left everything they know to give their future generation, a better life. Mm. And so I want to do them proud. So I inadvertently put that pressure and expectation on me, even though it was never said. Yeah, yeah. I totally relate to that. It's like the perceived expectation, which is never communicated. You just put on yourself. You do, you do. And that's the thing with expectations. It's a natural way of thinking and that's what we forget. Mm. My parents never told me to become a lawyer. Mm. They wanted me to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, I can't teach. Mm. I was like, I don't have it in me. I just want to be a hairdresser or I want to be an air hostess. Mm-hmm. Mm. Air hostess was never going to work because I didn't meet the height requirements. <laughs> so from the get-go, like, it just didn't work. But the first question my parents did ask me was, what are you going to do when you're married though? Like, mm. are yeah, you yeah, still yeah. going to do that job? Yeah. You're traveling so much. You, yeah, you'll be yeah. traveling so much. And I didn't think that far ahead, right? Mm. Yeah. Because that wasn't in my mind. But when I looked at the application form and saw that I couldn't meet the height <laughs> requirements, that career path went downhill very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I failed oh before God. it even started. Yeah, that's, that's the thing so though, right? That definition and the path to success – is different for everyone. It's so and different. Mm. That path was finite for older generations who only had a handful of options. Whereas mm. in today's world, it's a completely different ball game, and there's yeah. Yeah. so much more emphasis to appreciate that we're all running at different paces mm. in different like lanes, forge our own in path, forging right? our own path. Mm. Yeah. And just going back to your school example, yeah. one of the ways of defining success is by the grades you got, right. and with that comes that issue 
of people defining their self-worth attached to the marks, their marks. that they get yeah and because of that not all kids are given enough space to be kids and mm. explore themselves and their interests and the things that make them who they are right they're yeah. kind of pigeonholed and taught you know because a lot of school is rote learning yeah. how to be another cog in the machine once they finish studying and mm. we're often also not aware of other things that could be going on behind the scenes like mental health struggles or yeah. family issues or whatever language else language barriers language barriers yeah. yeah whatever else someone might be navigating that might affect their grades they just look at them at the surface for whatever number they got mm, yeah with you going through your mental health journey through that stage in high school yeah and again as much as you're comfortable sharing Yeah. Could you share a little bit about what your expectations were when you identified that you were struggling with your mental health? What were the expectations of the people around you and how you dealt with all of that? So it was never spoken about. Mm. When I was diagnosed, um I remember it so vividly as if it was just yesterday because it was a turning point. Yeah. It was a diagnosis. It was it was like an illness that you carry with you for the rest of your life. And back then the stigma against depression was you know what it is, mm. you know? So when I was diagnosed with it, my dad was in the hospital with me and this was just a few months before sitting the HSC. And my parents didn't understand what it was. I didn't understand what it was. It was like, okay, you have depression, but now what? What does it mean? Like, yes, I'm bawling my eyes out, but what do i do with it you know and so it was never spoken about from that moment forward um then i sat the hsc it just carried forward like i had to learn to navigate through there because we didn't have the resources right, right. so were you able to seek the help that you required back then or did you push it well, under I the rug for a bit well i didn't know like that i needed help because okay. i didn't understand the concept of depression and what it is and what it does to your body I didn't know I needed help right mm. when did you realize it wasn't until the next chapter in my life when I lost my sibling mm-hmm. yeah. that's when I realized that I needed help okay so all those years up until from like high school going through university and terrible relationships I didn't realize I needed help because it was never spoken about. Mm. So it was yes I'm always upset. Yes I like right. to sit by myself okay. in my own thoughts. Yes I don't like to talk to people. But people around me just thought that was naturally me. Right. So that was like a constant state. It was almost. a constant state just and lingering. I didn't know. How much of that right. was the general society around you versus how much of that was that ethnic mentality of keep all the issues in house don't talk oh, about it externally doors. sweep it under the rug and we'll deal with it internally or hopefully by pushing it aside it'll fizzle out mm. well the thing is there was not much talk around mental health back then generally so, speaking generally speaking and so it was never spoken about in publicly or behind closed doors mm. it was just never spoken about And I remember having this conversation with a family member and they said, "You know, you never want to tell anyone that you have depression because you may not get hired 
you may fail in your career just because they know that you've got depression. And so because of that, I never disclosed it. Like there was no need Mm. for me to disclose it. But then also because I was in so much fear that I wouldn't have a successful career if I told someone I had depression. Right. Okay. And so it was only that next chapter where I realized the symptoms were different. Okay. Yeah. That's when I knew that I needed help and I was strong enough to do it on my own terms. I was strong enough to walk away from it, go back to it. Like I wasn't relying on external sources to push me towards seeking help. Mm Mm-hmm. Like mm. you came about it on your own terms. I came about it on my yeah. own terms, but yeah. that's because I probably sat in it for so many years by myself Yeah, to understand what it was and what it does to yeah. you. It's yeah. great that it was like that for you because, you know, so many people for one of a million reasons don't actively seek it out. Yeah, it's really hard. It is so hard because I have so many people approach me on Instagram about that very scenario they find it easier to talk to me than talk to a counsellor or a medical practitioner. They feel like the resources available aren't going to provide the support that they need, Mm. you know? And so it's really hard getting that help, but all I can do is encourage people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's this expectation that the first time you seek help is the only form of help you can get. Yeah. Whereas it's a bit like dating, Right? right, you'll likely need to go through a few different practitioners and maybe different types of support to find the one that works best for you. Definitely. Like right. I know you shared in your International Women's Day speech about losing your sister in the way that you did, mm-hmm. how reliving that trauma by talking about it with a counsellor, you recognised wasn't the mechanisms that would help you in your journey. Yeah. And, you know, that's okay, right? Because that's not the only form of help out there. Yeah, exactly. There's other ways to get what you need. There's other ways. There's so many means now of getting help and it is really trial and error and it's about who you connect with. Sometimes people connect with a person because of the story or the journey that they've walked on. And a lot of people on social media, I'm not saying I have a large following, but the following I do have, those people follow me because they've seen me develop and evolve for the past like 10 years while mm. I've walked on this journey. And so they feel comfortable reaching out to me about their own personal stories mm. as well. But would they do it with a psychiatrist? Probably not because mm. that psychiatrist doesn't understand how to unpack yeah. that person. Like the nuances as yeah. well, right? I think, yeah, I think yeah. it's a tough one because there's some truth in that. But it's also one of those things where you don't know until you try. Yeah, and you got to try yeah. it. Someone I'm close to who has trauma when it comes to war, they are reluctant to seek professional help because whoever they speak to in Australia most likely won't understand what it was like to navigate a conflict from a different part of the world the same ways that they did. Yeah. And my point to them having gone through my own mental health journey is that yes they probably won't understand the nuances of your exact lived experience but they'll help you make sense of the emotions that have manifested from that yeah so yeah. it's not about them 
fully understanding, but it's about understanding parts of it. Right. And that opening a path to some form of healing Mm. is not seeking any help at all is worse than trying. You know, even if they help you feel incrementally Mm. better, that's Mm. a start. Yeah, Yeah, of course. And I think you gain like a lot of clarity Mm. about yourself, about your life, how to move forward just by speaking about it to someone else that is trying to understand. And I think that's the biggest takeaway Mm. is that if you are going through something, if you connect with someone at any level and you open up to them, it's to seek clarity. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the other layer to that is once you start the journey, the expectation that it's a switch Mm -hmm. and everything will be magically better overnight. I think setting that expectation too high can also demoralize people sometimes because yeah. you do have to be really patient with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that's why you, it's that trial and error because it's not an on-off switch. Like the healing, the healing. process is so far beyond that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know? And different methods are going to work differently for everyone. So they really need to try and find something that works for them. Yeah, yeah. and I think a lot of the time – People don't seek help as well because of the expectation that we should be grateful for what we have. Yeah, And I don't know if you felt this way, Shivani, in your own mental health journey, but it's the idea that firstly your parents have sacrificed so much to bring you here and they've given you a house, like you've got a roof over your head, you've got food, you've probably got a good education, you've got all the things that on paper – you know, you're ticking off, which amazing, right? like yeah. you've got this great life that is ahead of you. And that could also be true. But at the same time, you could also be facing mental health challenges. And I hear from a lot of people that they feel like they shouldn't be feeling this way when you've got everything else. You've got all the basic needs that therefore should mean that you're not experiencing this. So when they do, there's this sense of guilt that like, why, what is wrong with me that although I've got all these things, I still feel a particular way did you feel that at all my thoughts never went that way okay yeah you know I did and I have done everything I've wanted to so far in my life Mm. like if my parents hadn't encouraged me to rethink my career pathway from being a hairdresser to what I ended up selecting which was on my own terms Mm. they wanted me to be a teacher I didn't go down that path I chose to do law because I wanted to do the community proud. It was that Mm. feeling. So it was the pressure and expectation I put on myself. Mm. So I was always grateful for everything that my parents have done. The fact that I do have the roof and I've got the food and I've got security. I feel safe. I wasn't forced to be married at a young age. Like those basic things, I grew up being extremely grateful But then anything I wanted to do, I also did it. Mm. I still went into hairstyling and opened my artistry business. You Mm. know, everything that I've wanted to do. If I wanted to study something else, I did it. Mm. If I wanted to travel, I did it. Mm. So why are people still stuck in those thoughts? Mm. Yeah. I feel like sometimes someone gives you a hand and you want the full arm Mm. because you're looking at everything else around you especially like social media, when everyone else has that brand new car or that brand new Apple phone, it's like you want it too, like you're enticed almost and then you sit in your thoughts forgetting 
about those securities, like the roof that's on your head and the food and the clothing and those kind of things. So for me personally, my thoughts never went down Mm -hmm. that different avenue. Mm. I think that's a really good point because it kind of comes down to what are the expectations that I want for myself versus the expectations that I have because of the people and the world around me. Mm, yeah. I think there's a lot of unlearning that I'm starting to do as a 28-year-old. Yeah. You know, all these expectations that are around us, understanding, am I chasing that because it's something that I genuinely want? Yeah. Or is it because it brings me a sense of normalcy or comfort mm. or stability? Yes. Because everyone around me is doing it as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's a very fine line, and it's it's such an important line to look at because it's really going to decide whether you're truly happy in the next moments or the next chapters mm. of your life. Because if you're doing it for people that are around you, then you're not going to be happy because yeah. after that you're going to chase something else. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But if you can draw the line between you wanting it, then that's mm. something different. Yeah. Yep. And you also start to resent those people that you did certain things for. Yeah, because you could of get course. Resent yourself as well, right? Yeah. Well, why am I chasing something that Other I didn't people, want in the yeah. first place? Because you, you hit that point where you're like, hang on, this is never what I wanted to yeah. begin with. And what you were saying before, Shivani, like I think both things can be true where you can be really grateful for everything that your family's done or that your community's done for you, but at the same time still not confide in the expectations that they might have of you and like Mm. forge your own way because often veering off path with whatever expectation that we've spoken about and there's so many more can seem as a disrespectful insult like you're doing this because you want to rebel or because Mm -hmm. you know you don't respect me as a parent for example but that may not be the case at all there could be some people that do it for that reason but then for the most part it's because you just fundamentally maybe just disagree with that value and it doesn't mean you disrespect that individual but it's just I respect you but this is what my values are and this is what I want to do yeah and I feel like when we were talking about the school grades for example being a big expectation sometimes people feel as though the love that their parents give them is conditional and it's based upon they will love me if I get good grades and if I'm a good student and if I'm a good kid And I've had friends kind of tell me that they've felt that way about their families where that may not have been the case at all. Like I'm sure their parents would have loved them unconditionally, but because that is the benchmark as to what was expected of them their whole life, they just thought anything outside of that, now Mm. they will lose that security and that love from their parents because it was all contingent upon them fulfilling that expectation. I think the important thing to take away is why do your parents want those mm. things for you? Exactly. Mm. And me being a parent saying yeah. this, it's because you want that child to have such a good life. Mm. And that's all they know. Mm. You know, if you study hard, you're going to get a good job. That means you're going to earn good money yeah, and you're stability. never going to have to question mm. your financial circumstance yep. because that's everything that they came from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we forget yeah. exactly it's like, all coming it, from yeah. a place of it's love coming, and care exactly it's just a love language is a little different it's just a little bit yeah. like exactly sometimes it's a bit more yeah. harsher the love language yes. Yeah. yes but then it's a communication barrier yeah. like, you know sometimes yeah. in our culture we're not 
taught how to love the right way. Yeah. My mum always says that sometimes she comes across the wrong way because in her head, she's translating from Tamil to English as she's speaking on the fly. (laughs) Which is hard. She doesn't mean for it to come across as judgy or aggressive or whatever. Yeah. But she comes across that way sometimes just because they're used to speaking differently. Right. On top of she herself getting lost in translation. Yes. Speaking. Mm. And I get that. Like, mm. you know, and me as a parent, like I want all those things for my children. Mm. I want my girls to be powerful women. Mm. And I'm going to encourage them to go down that path. It's just so hard. It's so hard when you become a parent. And yeah. I feel like your perception of things will change the moment you're a parent because mm. you'll be wanting the same thing right, for your children. Right. That's the thing. We're saying all of this. Romy and I, as 28-year-olds who aren't parents and Mm. who have never been in migrant parent shoes, leaving everything behind and coming to a new world and having to figure things out from scratch. And at the end of the day, all our values are the same, right? We all want stability and safety. Just the way to get there, our generation is going to look at differently. Mm. So we also need to be empathetic to... They're very unique, very difficult circumstances that they had to navigate that yeah. we likely won't ever need to mm. before we blindly challenge some of their ways of thinking and operating. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I think we are in a position where we've spoken about this before, where we can pick and choose the values that we like from our sort of Eastern upbringing mm-hmm. as well as where we call home yeah, and that is such a wonderful place to be because there's good and bad in both. There's pros and cons and you can really look at and evaluate what you want to take for yourself, but also to your point, Shiv, like when you've become parents, how you want to pass that on to your children as well and what kind of values you want to bring. And I think that's where we would end up being more understanding because we can kind of understand what it would be like to be a kid that fully brought up in Australia because that's pretty much a lot of our experiences. Whereas, yeah, you think about our parents who migrated, like my parents were in their thirties when they migrated. Like, well, imagine going to another country Mm. when you're in your thirties, that is like completely different values wise and having to integrate yourself and also face other challenges, but then also understand what values you like of this new place and then what you want to pass on to your kids in that respect as well. And you see that switch. Like I'm the eldest, I've got a younger sister and I've told Sandra about this before, but my sister could do anything and everything. It would fly because (laughs) they're a little stricter on me when I was growing up. But then my sister, who's four years younger than me, she could just do whatever she wanted Mm. already because they'd already gone through that with Mm -hmm. me. And I think they were able to like, probably pick up certain values that they lacked over time. And then, you know, obviously it was too late with me. So they, you know, let (laughs) my Apply it to the next kid. (laughs) Apply it to that one. Which is so fine. Like I do not resent them for that. Like it is, going to parenthood, like there's no manual. Yeah. There's no book. So you've got to figure it out as partners, right? Like how to raise this child. Yeah. Mm. And then the things that don't work, you try it with the second child. Yeah. You know, all the things that worked really well, you, you apply it, it to them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. keep it going. Yeah. That's how we evolve, right? Yeah. But if you look at our parents, same thing. They didn't have yeah. a manual. Exactly. Yeah. They did it with less education. Exactly. Less communication yeah. skills. Less parenting books, probably. Less everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? 
So we're working on something with a strong foundation. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So that's the difference. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to join us next time for the second half of this episode where Shivani shares her really moving story with her journey to motherhood, as well as unpack more expectations. We'd love to hear about your experiences as well. Head over to our Instagram at stuckinbetween underscore podcast to share your thoughts and stories. Until then, we'll catch you next time. Bye.